Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. Women's Football Podcast, your weekly update and analysis on all of the games and headlines from women's football in the UK and beyond. I'm Shauna David. It's great to have your company once again this week as we dive into all things women's football. Now, coming up in this week's episode, we take a look back at the international week and cross the border over to Wales to look ahead to their crucial Euros qualifier against Norway on Tuesday. And it's fair to say there's a bit of a Welsh theme this week as we'll be discussing the big news in the Welsh domestic game that S4C will be making history next weekend by broadcasting a Welsh Premier Women's League match for the first time in history. And we also look back at how the results went in the opening week of the Women's National League season and we'll be having a quick preview of the FA Cup quarterfinals. Well, joining me this week is, as always, former Aston Villa and FA Media Officer, the brilliant Emily Lyles. Emily, great to have you back with us. Thank you, Sean Ed. You're too kind. And making his debut with us on the podcast is freelance sports reporter Guion Samson. Guion, great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it's been... A week of international football and there are still quite a few international fixtures to be played in the coming days, including some crucial European qualifier games. Now, of course, there were no WSL or championship games as the players are all on international duty. Um, Emily will start off no games for England, but they did hold a training camp at St George's Park. No real news to come from the England camp, but a good week for them and a good chance for them to get together again. No, 100% Sean Ed. And I think you only have to look at some of the content that's coming from the Lionesses social channels. You can see how pleased they are to be back together. Although I'm imagining it looks a little bit different to normal with all the protocols, etc., that they'll have to follow. But yeah, they've had two training games, which is absolutely brilliant. Having witnessed those in the past, they might be name training games, but they're always very, very competitive. So yeah, it's, it's been great that they've been able to get together. Appreciate it's not the same as when you're preparing for a game and have got something to aim for, but I'm sure it's been a really useful week for Phil Neville and, and his staff. Yeah, definitely. The social contents looks really, really good. So it looks like it looks like they're having a really good time um, at St George's at the moment. Um, in Scotland, so Scotland were due to play in Cyprus last Friday, but that game has been postponed until February. A lot, um, a lot of the women's European leagues, of course, still kind of playing catch up um, after the disruption caused by COVID-19. Um, over in Ireland now. Northern Ireland won their first competitive game since 2015, which is really hard to believe. Um, and it was a remarkable game, to say the least. They won 6-0 against the Faroe Islands. Goals from Rachel Furness, Simone McGill, Lauren Wade and Kirsty McGuinness made it 4-0 at half-time with Wade and McGill scoring another two in the second half. Gwian, I'll come to you for this one. Um, a great win, which could give them a chance of claiming um, a playoff berth in their hopes of reaching the Women's Euros, which, of course, being held in England in 2022. Um, they had those two draws against Wales in Group C. Do you think they've got 
what it takes? Because that group's starting to get quite tight by now, isn't it? Yeah, so let's forget for a second that they've only beaten the Faroe Islands. No disrespect to the Faroe Islands, but the, the population's only about 50,000, isn't it? So um, but it's, it's a good way to get the team morale up. And, you know, 6-0 isn't a mean feat either. So they're clearly able to score goals and they're clearly dangerous now. And maybe they'll just come into form at the right time to challenge that second or even first place, who knows. Yeah, when you look at that group, those two draws against between Wales um, and Northern, like, Northern Ireland, I think Wales and Northern Ireland both look back at those games and think, oh, gosh, we really should have should have got away with the win there. Um, the Republic of Ireland suffered their first defeat of the qualifying campaign against current group leaders Germany. Now Germany won comfortably in a 3-0 win over the Republic. Um, they dropped down to second now um, in the group. Germany um, are group leaders. Emily, Megan Connolly, the Republic and Brighton midfielder, she was pretty confident before the game. She really felt that they could go um, and get the win there. But in the end, as everything in football, the Germans always win, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't on penalties this time, Sean, (laughs) Ed. No, quite right. And the thing is, I think often you go through phases in sport and especially in football where people debate, has a team's kind of domination come to an end? Are they what they were? But I think the likes of Germany are a team that will always be there or thereabouts. And and ultimately, I think the fact that England have arranged this friendly against them next month, a big reason for that will be because they know it's going to be a contest and because it's going to be realistic of something that a game that would emerge in, in a knockout tournament in the latter stages. So, yeah, definitely a real pity for the Republic of Ireland. But ultimately, Germany got the job done. Mm, definitely a busy week for some of the home nations. Now we'll chat a bit more about the rest of the upcoming international fixtures. But before then, the big news in Wales this week is that S4C will be creating history this season by televising the first ever live game from the Orchard Welsh Premier Women's League. Um, now S4C will be showing the South Wales derby between Cardiff and Swansea live on Scoria on Sunday the 27th of September. I'm conscious some people listening are thinking, what on earth is Scoria? Um, so Scoria is a Welsh language football television programme, um, which is fantastic, if I may say so myself. It's been around since the 80s and they've done amazing work over the past few years in terms of showcasing women's football in Wales. So I'm really chuffed that they've decided to show this game on national TV. And it's fair to say it's going to be um, a really big landmark and a big turning point for the domestic game in Wales. Now, earlier this week, I caught up with sports broadcaster Abigail Davis, who works for Sky Sports and the FAW's magazine show FC Cymru, to chat with her about this news. And we also discussed Wales' upcoming game against Norway. Well, Abby, thank you so much for your time this week. I guess we'll start off with... The big news coming out of Welsh women's football is that S4C um, will be televising the first ever live game from the Orchard Welsh Women's Premier League um, on Sunday the 27th. I mean, in terms of the domestic game in Wales and women's football, that's fantastic news. Yeah, I mean, it's such an exciting and important time for women's football in Wales at the moment. Um, And I think... Welsh media outlets have such a vital role to play in the progression of domestic football here in Wales. Obviously, Scorio recognised that and they have done for years with with the Cymru Premier. But we all, as journalists, as broadcasters, we've got a duty now to help 
grow the women's game. We need to generate the interest and, and put it on the pedestal that it deserves to have. You know, we want, we want kids in Wales to grow up with it normal to see women's football on TV. We want to we wanna show that it's worthy of being there. You know, let's, let's make playing in the Welsh leagues an allure for, for our youngsters coming through. We've seen with the WSL, the more time and the more money that's invested into women's football, the bigger the product we're going to have. The WSL is enjoying great success as a result of that. And, and it's, becoming, it's becoming a powerhouse in women's football. Is, you just touched on the WSL there. I think for people listening who perhaps have no clue about um, women's football in Wales and the Welsh um, Women's Premier League, it's fair to say it's way behind the WSL, isn't it? It's nowhere near becoming a professional league. I think it's fair to say it probably will never be a fully professional league because, um, yeah, it's just too too far behind the WSL at the moment. But I think what the FAW want to achieve is that um, the Welsh Women's Premier League can be a feeder league and it can nurture that talent that can then hopefully one day go on and play in the WSL, go on and play in the big um, women's football leagues um, across the world. And I think having this game, the first one on telly, um, is a massive milestone for that happening. Absolutely. And if you look at our national squad, the Welsh national squad, and you look at how many of our established stars started and developed their games at the likes of Cardiff City Ladies, Cardiff Met. You've even got some of our some of our starting eleven still playing for Cardiff City Ladies who'll be in action next week. You know, you've got the goalkeeper, Laura O'Sullivan, she'll be starting for them no doubt. And then Lauren Dykes joining them as well. So it is going to be a good stepping stone. And like I said, if we've got children growing up seeing women's football on TV and seeing that as an attainable and an achievable target for them is going to make them want to join in more um you know in march it was it was uh, announced that women's or participation in women's football was up in wales by 50 percent since 2016 obviously jonathan ford has since come out and said that could all be disrupted because of covid because of the break we need to ensure that we protect the women's game as much as we possible possibly can the national team has has changed the landscape of the women's game here in mm. Wales. And we, we really need to protect that as much as we can. And, and having it on the television, that's only going to be positive. Mm. And hopefully it's the first of many games that S4C do show. Um, moving on to the national team on Tuesday, you've got that massive game against Norway, which we're both, I think it's fair to say, we're both really nervous about this. Four games, the qualifiers left. With four points, Wales are four points behind Norway. They travel to Norway on Tuesday. Just how tough of a game is this going to be and how massive would it be if Wales did get the win? Uh, it's going to be huge. And, and I think where we are, we do need to take something from it. You know, Norway have been flawless so far in this campaign. They've scored 32 goals, only conceded one in the full games, like you said. Caroline Graham Hansen is, for me, the, the player that we need to be looking out for. She plays her club football for Barcelona and she epitomises everything that club is about. You know, her close control, her pace, her finishing are absolutely superb. But but we've got positives of our own. You know, we've got Jess Fishlock back. Tash Hardin also missed that nil-nil with Northern Ireland um, in our last game. Having those back, Jess Fishlock, I think she's obviously been a long-term absentee. She did her ACL back in June 2019, I believe it was. Yeah. So having both of those back, 
I think we'll have a lot more in the way of creativity and, and I'm expecting more off the ball movement, you know, more urgency in the final third with those two involved. And I think, I think that'll be, that'll be crucial for us. If we are to get something, we've got a strong defense. That's, you know, <laughs> I know it's going to be tested to the maximum on Tuesday evening, but, but if we can get something, because at the moment, you know, we are looking back to those two draws that we've had. Possibly the first one against Northern Ireland was, was the real sickener, you know, conceding in the 94th minute for a two-all draw. If we, can, if we can just get a positive result on Tuesday, that does leave it open for us to have something to fight for. Yeah, I think it says a lot about how much um, the women's national team has progressed because it's very rare that we can sit here during qualifiers and be like we've actually got a you know we've got a chance of doing this there's a chance of us getting to a major tournament for the first time obviously narrowly missed out um, on qualifying for the world cup um less said about that game against england in rodney parade the best (laughs) but it's amazing that we're sat here and you know it's all very much okay we've made it harder for ourselves with those two draws like you've said but it's still all to play for isn't it Absolutely. And, and what Jane Ludlow has done, she's created such a competitive side. They're such a tight-knit group. I know it's talked about so frequently, but but they really have changed the landscape of women's football here. You know, they're Jess Fishlock, Tash Hardin, Sophie Ingle, they're all household names now. Everyone, you've got people who would previously only watch men's football. You've got them turning up now and showing the same levels of support. Um, obviously, it has to be mentioned, Sophie Ingle's going to become the third centurion on Tuesday evening, following in the footsteps of Jess Fishlock and Lauren Dykes. Um, she, she is one player that just makes everything look effortless. You know, she, she doesn't she doesn't always get the plaudits for that her performances deserve, but she's consistently one of the best performers in the WSL. She plays for Chelsea ladies as well. She's one of the most consistent and she's still so humble. She's still so relatable, which is what all of these girls are. And, and I really do think we're building for something very special. If it doesn't happen this campaign, it is going to happen soon. So I really hope that people, especially given what's happened during lockdown, I really hope that people continue to show them the support that they deserve. Well, Gwian, I'll come to you for this one and we'll start off with the game between Cardiff and Swansea. I think everyone's in agreement um, that this is a massive step for women's football in Wales, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely huge. I mean, Scoria, as you said, it's iconic and the history behind that programme, you know, it's, it's where you get to watch different leagues you get to watch the Welsh Prem and now finally we get to watch the Welsh Women's Prem as well. It's fair to say and conscious of our listeners um, in England, Emily, you know, the WSL, even the Championship, they're miles and miles ahead um, of the Women's Premier League here in Wales. Um, But I can appreciate as a football fan, it's great to see the domestic leagues in any country grow, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And I think few people would disagree with the fact that to grow the game, it has to be grown across the board. So a successful Welsh league, a successful um, Ireland national team is really, really important for the growth of the game. And while it is easy to become a bit siloed in the teams that you follow or the country where you're from, actually, there's a bigger picture here. And I think the women's game is certainly in a position where in most circumstances, 
there is still that need for growth. And I think a lot of people would still say the WSL has a way to go. But like you say, relatively speaking, the coverage that gets is is off the scale compared to most most nations, really. So, yeah, it, it's absolutely brilliant. It's great that more eyes will be able to get on it. And ultimately, that's when you're going to start to draw support from people. Mm. It's definitely an exciting time. And like I said, that game will be live on S4C on Sunday, the 27th kickoff um, at 4pm and English commentary will be available on the red button as well in case anyone fancies tuning in. Guion will turn our focus on to um, Wales' qualifier against Norway on Tuesday night. How are you feeling? Because there's a lot of build up to this game. It's you know, it's got that almost cup final feeling to it, even though there's still four games to go. But if Wales win, that's going to be a massive boost for them, isn't it? It would be huge. Yeah. The last time we sort of had a build-up like this was against England. And let's, you know, let's not get back into that again. But um, yeah, it's, it's so tight in that group. The Wales win would actually really just mix it up a little bit because everyone's expecting Norway to run away with it. Um, especially the fact that they've beaten everyone so far. But it's, you know, it's fair to say that Wales are quite strong at the moment. You know, they've got Jess Fishlock, maybe back Tash Harding as well. And I think a win puts us in a great position. Uh, even if we finish second in that group, you've still got a better head-to-head avenue if you finish second and more chance of qualifying. Even a draw is the same. If you pick up a point against the top team, you're more likely to go through. So, but a, a defeat would actually leave us sort of scrapping for second place against Northern Ireland, who are now picking up form. So, it's, it's a really important game, and my nerves are shocked already. Yeah, uh, Wales currently four points behind Norway, who are um, currently group leaders. Wales in second. Um, Emily, I know a lot of your work is to do um, with the Lionesses, and obviously you're from um, England. But what are your Thoughts on Wales at the moment? Would you like to see them in the Euros? Because, like we said, that I think everyone still talks about that game at Rodney Parade when Wales and England played each other. It was obviously, from a Welsh perspective, not great, but in terms of an event, it was fantastic. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. And I know some of the England girls afterwards said that they'd never played in such a hostile atmosphere because, of course, women's football is renowned for being a little tamer, shall we say, than the men's game, even in some of the big derby fixtures. But yeah, a lot of them really felt it, I think, when they walked out. And I know a lot of the people that I was sat with were like, this is, this is like being at a men's international game, which I guess has its, has its pros and cons, really. But yes, absolutely. As I say, a strong Wales is better for all of us. I think it would be brilliant to see them at the Euros, especially given that the Euros will be in England. I think it would just add a fantastic edge. Um, There's obviously been this initial disappointment generally about the Euros, the postponements, et cetera. But I think think it's just a fantastic opportunity and and to have as many of the home nations there as possible would would make it a stronger competition. Guion, you mentioned um, Jess Fishlock. She's back for Wales from her long-term injury. She's been out since what feels like the dawn of time. I'm really excited to see her back in a Wales shirt. Obviously, she's recently joined Reading and returned to the WSL. Um, how much of a boost will she be to that Welsh side? Because she's not only a massive player, but she's a massive personality within that squad, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's really important to have someone like that back in the team, um, especially because, you know, you've got younger players coming through and even players from the Welsh uh, Women's Welsh Premier League. So they not only get sort of game time there, but they also get to play with these 
with gas players. So the team is going to improve drastically. And to have her back is just a confidence boost, isn't it? To know that you can sort of rely on someone if you need to. But yeah, it's going to be massive to have her back. And it's so exciting. And the other big news is that Sophie Ingle is set to make her 100th appearance for Wales. Um, Emily, of course, you're more familiar with seeing Sophie wearing the blue jersey for Chelsea. But what a fantastic achievement for, I think it's fair to say, a fantastic player. Absolutely. It's, it's a wonderful achievement. And it's no mean feat either when you take into consideration how many appearances that is, how many camps that is, how many days and weeks away from home that is. But yeah, it's an absolutely brilliant achievement and I'm sure it will be marked in the right way by everyone that's around her. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And Norway v Wales will be available to watch on BBC Two Wales on Tuesday and it will also be online on the BBC Sport website. So tune in for that because I've got a feeling it could be a pretty, pretty tasty game. Coming up next, a roundup of the first weekend of National League fixtures. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. Even a quick look at the for quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. This weekend saw the first round of matches take place in the National League North and South. And we'll start off with the North. So Burnley produced probably the results of the weekend in the FA Women's National League, winning 2-1 at Sunderland and inflicting the Lady Black Cats' first league loss since April 2019. New signing Katie Thomas put Burnley ahead in the first half with Emily Scar scoring on her Sunderland debut to level. But Sarah Agger scored late on to win the match for Burnley, giving Sunderland a rare taste of defeat. Now Stoke were the only other team to win in the Northern Division as they edged out a 1-0 win against Sheffield FC. Abby Hunt scored the crucial goal on the hour mark. It finished 3 all between Derby and Fylde. Nottingham Forest, who came third last season in the Northern Division, travelled to Sutton Coldfield to face West Bromwich Albion. And Emily, you were at the game. Yeah, I certainly was. It was a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable afternoon. Um, first and foremost, I just want to give a shout out to both West Bromwich Albion and Sutton Coldfield Town, given they're the hosts at Coles Lane. It was just a really well-run event. Um, you had your temperature checked on arrival. They were very, very welcoming. The whole process from expressing an interest in going to the game and then actually when you arrive was absolutely second to none because it's not easy at the moment and it would have probably been quite easy for them to postpone or not postpone the attendance of spectators but they didn't do that and it was just really really well run didn't get an official attendance number but it looked like it was a decent solid number which which was absolutely fantastic the game itself was competitive which I thought was really impressive from both sides, considering neither had played for six months. Both have had a lot of pre-season games, but of course, as we all know, nothing beats a proper, proper competitive league game or a competitive match of any sort. West Brom took an early lead through Keeley Davis's long-range strike, which unfortunately went under the Forest goalkeeper's body. So it was unfortunately a goalkeeping error for that, but a really good start for them. 
Forrest, to their credit, responded, hit the woodwork and looked really, really threatening. But the main talking point, or certainly I'd say from a human interest perspective, came just shy of half an hour when Laura Jane O'Neill, who's their long-serving defender, scored to draw Forrest level. And I think most significantly was the fact that it was her first league start since March 2018, as she suffered terribly with injuries, some injury after injury. And having initially returned back in February in the Nottinghamshire County Cup final, this was her first competitive league start and her first goal since the 2013-14 season. So she was absolutely delighted with that and I caught up with her after the game and she gave us some time which was fantastic. Laura, two all here today, can I get your overall thoughts on the game please? I think overall we've come off quite disappointed with the draw but I think that kind of shows where we're at as a team. We, we feel like it's more of a loss than a point on the board but we have to think positively and, and be happy with that. We've kicked, kicked start the season away from home and still put, put a point on the board so... As you say, it was your first start since March 2018. Yeah, yeah, first competitive start since March 2018 because um, so of injury. But from a personal point of view, that that's absolutely huge. Yeah, it is. It just it does does feel like any other game. But um, yeah, as you say, um, when I reflect, it is quite big. Um, and to obviously get a goal as well on my first competitive game back, it is. I am really happy with that. Um, so yeah. And just tell us a little bit about that feeling when you scored, because you could see from the reaction from everyone around you, everyone was absolutely made yeah, up. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not really used to the feeling of scoring, so, <laughs> so um, it came as a bit of a shock to myself. But um, but yeah, I was just happy to to bring us back level during the game because we obviously went one 0 down. So and obviously, fingers crossed for you that it's onwards and upwards here from a personal point of view. But just how how difficult has it been coming back from an injury that's been that lengthy? I think psychologically is the hardest part. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was, it's been tough, but I've had the support from Forrest um, and that's been fantastic. So I've always felt, felt part of the squad during that time. Um, and yeah, it feels like I've never really been away, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's been good. And we've had this lengthy break due to COVID-19 and obviously this is the first competitive game back, playing in front of supporters. I mean, that must be a massive boost for you guys as oh, well. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Our morale is, is quite high at the moment um, at the club um, and definitely having supporters back, that is a massive boost for us. Um, the supporters mean a lot to us. Um, so, yeah, we are really happy with that and we just hope that can continue. And just lastly, you talk about supporters there. I know you've got a big game next up against Derby County, a big Derby game. How much are you looking forward to that? Absolutely, now? yeah. I mean, it's a huge game for us. Um, we will be treating it like any other game, um, but hopefully we can get as many supporters down safely as we can and put on a show for all the fans. In terms of the second half, so Albion were again quick out the traps. Natalie Murray, who was their right winger, found loads of space on the right, but couldn't quite convert and had a few crosses that were cleared with some last-ditch clearances as well. Georgia Hewitt then turned the game on its head, restoring Forrest's advantage on 49 minutes, which was a real strong finish after, again, unfortunate goalkeeping error from the West Bromwich Albion goalkeeper where she couldn't quite deal with the long ball over the top and Hewitt nipped in. West Brom levelled, which was fair to say slightly against the run of play through a penalty, which was scored by Lee Dugmore, but overall, I'd probably say two apiece was a fair result. Really, really good contest. And I caught up with the head coach, Andy Cook, after the game, who gave us his thoughts. 
perfect. So Andy, first of all, obviously two apiece here today. Really, really competitive game. Can I get your overall thoughts, please? Yeah, I think as a, as a team, we're, we're frustrated with the way we probably conceded um, the goals. The way that the game went, I don't know if it draws a fair result. Probably is if you're a West Brom fan and a West Brom player and, and staff. But yeah, we're um, overall we're, we're we're relatively happy. I mean, the start we had the back beginning of last season was poor, so we're relatively happy with that. But you know, we just feel like we could have got the, the three points out of the game. No, 100%. It was a really competitive game. I know you had your chances certainly towards the end down that right-hand side looked really, really dangerous. Um, I guess, do you guys go away now, train, get ready for that big game next week? Yeah, yeah, that's it. We're, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll get the video uploaded and stuff tonight and we'll, we'll start analysing that tonight. Well, probably tomorrow now and, um, and on Tuesday. And then, yeah, then we've got a couple of sessions before we play Derby. So, yeah, we're um, kind of focused on that now. Yes, we've got a point from today. Um, and, yeah, we've got to focus on what we need to do to get better um, and improve. And it's uh, it's a cliche, but it's each game, next get each take each game as it comes. And, yeah, Derby next week. And just in terms of your two goal scorers, I'm told by, by your colleagues that they're two players, shall we say, that don't score quite as often. I appreciate in terms of LJ's perspective been out for a long time first competitive game back how pleased are you for both of those individuals yeah delighted it's something that last season we were we were really um trying to improve on you know getting goals spread around the pitch because obviously precious was doing a great job for us and scoring lots but um yeah the the pre-season has been great we've got a lot of goal scorers and that's continued in the first game we've set play from um from becks and lj's finished the back post and obviously george's um kept herself nice and calm and cooled and just rolled it in um, but yeah it, it's pleasing to see you know delighted for the girls and yeah they, they don't score too often so once everything else starts clicking hopefully we can uh, get a few more goal scorers there 100% and, and just from a coaching point of view how difficult has it been over the last six months or so because I know you're so used to having that time with your players season ending I think the, the, the most difficult part was in end of March, April, um, when we were unsure whether we would start again, how you know the games would maybe pick up, training might pick up, and obviously the lockdown was initially three weeks, so then it was extended, so it was like maybe six, and then it was, you know, once we knew the league was gone, and and, and the FA had made the decision, that was fine then because we could then focus on next season. But up to that point, that was the difficulty because you couldn't you couldn't meet up with anyone. And to be fair, we found out that quite a few of the girls were quite good at leading Zoom sessions and uh, doing some physical stuff. And uh, one of the girls is near today, Grace Walters, was an app, she's an absolute animal when it comes to physical fitness stuff. So yeah, on on the uh, on those calls, people didn't enjoy taking part. But yeah, that was the, the most difficult part when we didn't know what was happening. But once we once you found out, it was just kind of focusing for the season. And we've managed to have a good pre-season and recruited well. Um, you know, off the back of you know coronavirus and and some of the the other little areas of the club that, that have took a hit. And just in the league more generally, would you say it's quite interesting to see different teams matchups? Because as you say, no one's played for six months. Players come and go. Yeah, I mean, I've just heard the results there. Um, I think Sunderland lost, and um, and then Hull drew, um, and a couple of other like results that have come in, which which last season we might uh, you know you might not have seen those sorts of things. So so yeah, it's just been interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out in that first sort of three four weeks. Kind of um, you know, it's going to be one of them. Whichever team deals with deals with that the best is going gonna, is gonna to come out on top so yeah it's, it's, it's very much a, um, a psychology game in terms of that because teams have been out, been out for what six months something like that so, so yeah it's been an interesting first weekend but yeah we'll um, yeah we'll hopefully pick it up next week with Derby Thanks Emily and finally Middlesbrough they drew one all with Hull 
And just quickly in the Southern Division, Crawley Wasps continued where they left off last season, sitting top of the league after a 5-0 win at Hounslow. Naomi Cole, Darcy James, Magda Masengo, Megan Stow and Emma Pluer were the goal scorers for Wasps. Watford, they also started their season with a win. They beat MK Dons 4-1. Keensham Town, who only won two matches last season, they'll be delighted with a 5-1 victory over Plymouth Argyle. The newly rebranded Yeovil United drew 2 all with Portsmouth and Oxford United won 1-0 at Gillingham, courtesy and Oxford United won 1-0 at Gillingham, courtesy of a second-half goal from Carly Johns. Now, looking ahead domestically, the Women's FA Cup still needs to be completed from last season, and it's the quarterfinals um, this weekend. I guess the big game, the big headline um, from the quarters is that Arsenal will play Tottenham. That's going to be quite a contest, isn't it, Emily? It certainly is, and I think that's a fixture that doesn't need any introduction anyway, whether it's in the men's or the women's game. But I think the fact that Tottenham have obviously made quite a marquee signing, that will add a little bit of extra spice. It'll be interesting to see if she's actually involved in that. I'm not sure at the moment whether that's likely to be the case. It's just a really, really exciting prospect. Huge, huge game. And yeah, it will be a really interesting and an interesting barometer, I guess, in terms of where Tottenham are now, because obviously traditionally Arsenal have always been the top team in North London and have started the season so well. So yeah, it will be a very, very intriguing contest, that's for sure. You mentioned obviously the signing of Alex Morgan. We'll touch on Spurs as a club because they've made two massive, massive signings, both the men's and women's team, obviously women's have signed USA superstar Alex Morgan. They've also brought superstar Gareth Bale back. Um, Guion, in terms of um, raising the women's game, I know we've talked a bit um, on the pod in the past about foreign players um, coming over, but Alex, I'm so excited to have Alex Morgan in the WSL. Yeah, she's such a big name, isn't she? That's the thing. And um, it's just going to be massive to have someone like that in the WSL. I mean, like um, Grace McCarthy from Sunderland said last week, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. But again, you can have so much from it as well. So there's going to be more eyes on that game now, regardless of whether she's playing. And players can also have a bit of, a bit of um, where it is, she can have a bit of influence on the team as well and help the younger players. Sort of like what Justice Luck will allow to uh, We'll be doing in Wales. And that game kicks off at quarter past five at Meadow Park on Saturday and the match will be broadcast live on BBC Two. So that's definitely one that you want to watch. And in the other games of the quarterfinals, Everton entertain Chelsea and Leicester City host last season's winners, Manchester City. Um, now the big news from Leicester um, is that Emil Heskey has joined Leicester in a kind of ambassadorial role um, to help support the women's team. Now, like we know, Leicester um, have invested quite a lot into their women's side recently. Um, guys, it's it's great to have a player of his stature, someone um, like him really, on board and, and supporting the women's game. No, I'd certainly echo those sentiments. I think you do see it a lot when you have someone that's been very successful in the men's game come into the women's game it does give people it gives people a bit of a lift but it also does boost that profile and i know you've always got that catch 22 in that there's a lot of talented 
say uh, female coaches in the game or, or coaches that are that have plied their trade in the women's game for much of their careers but I think ultimately having someone like an Emil Heskey involved is brilliant for the profile someone that's strongly associated with Leicester City uh, both from his playing days but also in an ambassadorial role so yeah I, I think it's great news and, and will certainly help not just the women's games cause, but Leicester City women's games cause in particular. And then on the Sunday, it's Brighton and Hove Albion against Birmingham City. Some really good games in the course of finals there, guys. Who do you who do you see going through to the semi-finals? Guion, you can go first. I think it's a tough one because you've got so many good teams. I think Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal and possibly Brighton are... Uh, the ones for me. But it's going to be a good final, whoever's in it, because there's going to be either a, a former champ. Well, it's going to be a former champion somewhere, isn't there? So Chelsea, Arsenal coming off the back of huge wins last week. So it's going to be a, a tasty set of fixtures. Emily, who have you got your eye on? Yeah, I'd I'd happen to agree with Gree on there. Um, the only one I'm slightly less certain about, perhaps, is the Brighton Birmingham game. I think. Birmingham have had a bit of an indifferent start, but they certainly showed glimpses in their game against Man United that they can they can perform and they can compete. So you'd like to think that they will give Brighton a good game. That said, I think overall Brighton probably will be a little bit strong. So I'd probably say that the results will, will more than likely go the way that, that one would predict, I guess. But there's likely to be one shock in there because there, there often is, isn't there, certainly in cup football. The FA Cup, yeah, you can always depend on having at least one shock in there somewhere. And of course, we'll have all the analysis and discussion from the FA Cup quarterfinals on next week's podcast. Well, that's all from us for this week. Thank you so much to Guion and Emily for joining us. And remember that we're on social media. We're on Twitter at TWFP1 and we're on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. And our producer, Luke, recently did um, an IGTV interview um, with Ariana Crisoni. Um, so please head to our Instagram and you can watch that. Well, that's all from us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Leon and Emily, it's been great having you once again on the pod this week. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.